The views and opinions of this program do not necessarily reflect those of Radius Communications Incorporated. city into us, but until that day comes, this district is not going to improve itself. So here we stay, improving things. This meeting is now in session. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How are you doing? Good. Having having a great day here at the uh, Real District Improvement Bureau. So I take it that we've been taken over? We have been taken Have we over. been folded in? We have been folded in. We were dissolved and then folded in to uh, to real. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, Apparently the city as a legal entity may cease to exist. Oh, really? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it'll turn this whole place will turn into a gigantic stadium. This makes me so happy because it means that finally we're going to get some of that entrepreneurial spirit. Yes, and we'll make the big bucks from the big events. Well, cuz we're willing to take risks. <laughs> And maximize value for our shareholders, yeah, yes. Exactly. That's exciting. I am excited. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's wonderful to see you today. And uh I'm just I'm full of the entrepreneurial spirit. I am I am I am like it's it's like being full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Except it's entrepreneur except there's money. Yeah. Instead of a ghost. Yeah, that's a heck of a lot better than like the Holy Spirit. Jesus. I know. Can you? He can, has no cash. Can you take the Holy Spirit yeah. down to Wendy's and get a like a, a good burger, like the square no, burgers? Does the Holy Spirit have a five hundred thousand dollar credit card? I don't think so. <laughs> maybe, maybe it should. Maybe it should. That's good. How about, how do you feel about alienating half of our viewership in like two minutes? <laughs> that fun? It's I not the first time. No, no, it is not. Anyway. Yeah. Should we do attendance we'll do so that people know who is uh, alienating them? Right, right exactly. Yes. If you want to write in angry letters, these are these are the people. Yeah. You write the angry letters too. Uh, okay. Uh, first attendee, uh, we've got Ponch Delee. Ponch Delay or Delee? Delee. Oh, Delee, no. No? No. No. I mean, not to be confused with Ponce de Leon. Yeah, no. Remember, he, so. he was looking for the Fountain of Youth. Yeah. I don't think he found it. No. And Ponch yeah. Lee is currently looking for a Wendy's in Harbor Landing. Oh, is he? Yeah. Um, but not to be found because there is no Wendy's there. There's one on South Albert. Oh. But, uh, he will not, he just, it's, it's his life's mission. Right. So, Do people still go to Wendy's? I, I like, don't know. Is the world into square burgers anymore? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't remember the last time I went to Wendy's yeah. or ordered from Wendy's. Yeah. Uh, I think I've, I mean, I've passed by many Wendy's in my time. Yeah. And maybe like, I mean, I, I'm ashamed to say I've been to more Arby's than Wendy's, which is probably a terrible thing to admit. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It explains your pallor. <laughs> my 100% Arby's diet is not working out the way no. I intended. No. Which is to keep me alive. <laughs> so, uh, who's this Ponch, Ponch de Lee? Um, uh, 
Well, apparently he uh, he said he was coming in with some findings on uh, found some clues to like a, a secret hidden Lindy's in Harbor Landing. Yeah, but he hasn't showed up. So so we're not going to get that answer. You you know what? Uh oh. I think I mixed up the letters. Oh, and so if we take just, just give me a moment. Yeah. Uh, Paul Deschen. Should That's be Paul me. Deschen. That's me. Oh, and nice. I'm here. Nice. Okay. So you're Mark here. me down. You're here. And uh, the second uh, our second alienating attendee is Norman Gaida. No, I'm pretty sure there's no nobody here looks like a Norman. Nobody. Well, okay. Yeah. Apparently, Norman is a uh, quote. He's he's just some guy. Um. He was voted uh, most normal guy of the year by Normie magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he finds uh, khaki hagger slacks, and I quote, a bit much. And uh, the most daring thing he's ever done is accidentally wander into a Saturn dealership. Huh. But, th- but he realized where he was. So he, and he said no. no he went he over, turned around. Yeah, went straight to a Ford, Ford dealership. Good for him. Um, well, I'm seeing an update here. He, uh, Sorry, he, he can't show up. He got arrested for... Um, Threatening uh, trustees at a school board meeting for trying to force gender ideology on kids. Oh, he sounds unpleasant. Yeah. Even though he has no children of his own, huh. he actually sounds incredibly normal. Yeah. So there we go. So yeah, that, I'm I'm exposing the the hidden evil of normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's the rest of our listeners, maybe. Yeah. All right. So for for the, for all the none of you yeah. who are here, we've done attendance, yeah. and um, well, yeah, um, we still don't know who you are. That's true. Um. Oh, this is embarrassing. Oh, no. Yeah, I should um, uh, just have mixed up the letters in Norman's name. So if we unpack the... Uh, Aiden Morgan? That's you. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. That's me. We're both here. Awesome. We're both here. And should, should we tell our listeners? We should. We're literally here. This is actually, yeah. for the last while, uh, to break kayfabe, we've been... We've been recording our, our stuff from home and sending it in to the station, but tonight we're in studio. Yeah. Live. If you're listening now, we are live. Yeah. Uh, so there's nothing we can do about anything we say that's wrong. That's right. And nobody, nobody can say nothing. Yeah. And thank you to Megan for, hey, yes. for helping us with the machinery that we no longer remember how to, to operate. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> Whom we shall know, we call henceforth, henceforth, producer Megan. Oh, yeah, I like yes. that. Yes, yeah, love it. So what's on, what's on our agenda? Oh, my gosh. There is so much going on. There's always so much going on. And, but it's doubly true now. Um, so there's twice as much stuff going on? Is there's what you're twice, saying? yeah. Okay, At cool. least twice as much. So... Uh, you, now that we're taken over by real, I think you should know a, a little bit about, you know, real's position. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're going to find it particularly optimistic. I thought they were very positive. I thought they were really positive. They were infused with positivity about their budget. Oh, they are. And they take risks, man. Yeah. And it is entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. And, uh, the risk. Well, it's been paying off in terms of spirit. Unfortunately, it hasn't been paying off in terms of money. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there was a meeting uh, yesterday, uh, Wednesday's executive committee meeting. There was, uh, back in May, city council had said, hey, we need a report on the finances of real because they've been struggling. Uh, they were, you know, they were hit really hard by COVID. And like all event places, they haven't come back. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, they've been losing millions of dollars, and so council kind of wanted to get an update. So they hired MNP, which is Myers a- Norris Penny. Is that what it stands for? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Wow, I didn't yeah. even look that up. Yeah. I just figured we're in an age where we just need the the, the letters. We don't need them to stand for anything well, anymore. I, I don't. I don't know of any other sort of well-known accounting firms. Okay, with, with those with those initials. So it's probably them because they sounded very authoritative. <laughs> You know how sometimes when consultants come into council and you're like, I could do their job. Yeah. I could not do what MNB does. So these weren't like those guys who were talking about parking lots. Yeah. Okay. These, these, these were the real deal. These were the okay. real deal. Yeah. And so the picture they painted for real finances was not pretty. Ooh. It was very not pretty. So they, they were about to tell us what the real deal is. Yeah. And the real uh. deal is, is that, um, uh, Real is on track to lose like four million or more dollars a year uh, into the foreseeable future, and uh, basically the operations that they have are not the IBIDA. IBIDA. IBIDA, which apparently yes. is, um, it's like earned bits in the <laughs> top <laughs> IBIDA. <laughs> you know. Nice, I have no idea. But continue, continue on. Uh, yeah, so it's EB, E-B-I-D-T-A or something like that. Okay. And it's basically earnings minus expenses okay. for each like line item. But it doesn't include things like uh, depreciation or amortization, right. any of the other stuff, right? Right. So it's just revenue and expenses. And that basically tells you what each of your business items is contributing to the organization. Mm-hmm. And you need to be hitting a certain amount for your operation for whatever that business line right, item is to be. Break even. Yeah, and I think it's like in the 40% or something like that. And it turns out that, yeah, uh, a lot of the stuff at Real is not hitting that mark, and that means they're effectively losing money year over year. And to complicate things, uh, when the province set up that casino in our train station, oh, yeah, real could no longer run casinos, which apparently was a the thing they did. I don't know this. Okay, I did not. I did not realize this. Yeah, no. so they couldn't have um, gambling, and so they've been getting money from the provincial government every year, like two million dollars, uh, to like offset the losses from that. Right, okay. so it's like an annual grant, but that that agreement expires in twenty twenty six. Ah, uh, so this is why they're looking for the big bucks. Yeah, so that's gonna, they're gonna be running out of that extra two million dollars. So they've been working for years to, because they knew this was coming, to like offset that lost two million dollars. And they've been working towards that, but then on top of it, they're also just losing money like a sieve. And on top of that, uh, they, uh, 2019, uh, there was an assessment of all of their assets and they found that they had like a $40 million, uh, deficit in terms of like, you know, postponed maintenance. Mm-hmm. So like $40 okay. million dollars they have to do to like get their buildings back up to like be okay. Okay. Yeah. This is, uh, this is always the problem when you're dealing with infrastructure. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 But with inf- but with, uh, interest. Not interest, uh, inflation. Oh, yes. It, that number is now $70 million. Oh. Yeah. Yuck. So it's all bad news. Yeah. So anyways, um, so M- uh, MNP came out to give us the the story that Real is in a lot of trouble. And Real was also there, coincidentally, to present their budget ask for this year. The, the board chair? 
Was there? No! What? No, you'd oh. think he would be there for something yeah. this important. I would think so. Wayne Morsky was not there. Huh. This is the second important meeting uh, with council this month that Wayne Morsky's just been absent for. He must be very busy not being there. <sighs> Clearly. Yes. Clearly. Well, he, I think he may have been like raptured up into the spirit of entrepreneurialism. <laughs> That's right. So he's looking down on the proceedings and, you know, making sure that all the risks are being taken. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tim Reed was there for a while, but because the MNP presentation took so long, Tim Reed had to leave. Um, and so he wasn't there for the budget presentation. Uh, the bre- budget presentation, as was like reported in CBC and Leader Post, uh, typically real asks for a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. They were asking for 5.8. So a little over, well, one point something, and then they were asking for 5.8 this year. So a little over five times. Yeah. Which kind of tracks with what MNP was saying they need, right? Um, yeah. And, yeah, so it was 5.8 million. Uh, and so this was all weird cuckoo banana land because typically when real shows up, they're like just pure optimism, right? They're like, you know, even if things are bad, they're like, we just need one more Grey Cup. We need one more Kenny Chesney concert, and we're right. golden. One more Rolling Stones. Yeah. yeah. But it's not that case. And not only that, MMP found out this fascinating thing. It turns out, so when Real came to ask for a loan, they said, hey, if we can't get this loan, we're going to have to think about shutting down our nonprofit stuff, the stuff that doesn't make a profit, the implication being like kids' soccer and like the rinks and stuff. But it turns out, according to MNP, that's the stuff they're making all the money off of. That's the stuff that has the positive EBITDA. Right. Well, of, of course, because renting out space, yeah. I mean, you, you can, I mean, unless, I mean, you, you're not doing much, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're basically raking in, I wouldn't say passive income, but you're raking in income. I mean, that's why landlords like being landlords, because yeah. renting out space makes money. Yeah. Uh, however, Hosting massive events, not so much. It really doesn't. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there there are things. There's that sort of black box economic calculation which mm-hmm. tracks spinoff effects. These are suspect. I'm just going to say they're 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 kind of nonsense. Yeah, uh, I'm sure some people listening are like, "No, nah, they're, they're valid," they're, but I don't think so. Yeah, so, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, that all came up uh, because you're right. Uh, MNP found the same thing, that Real is losing money on the big events. Um, the the bottom line was that uh, it was fr- like – and also like community like events like Frost, the, yeah. our big new marquee thing, just losing money like crazy. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, because I like Frost. I do too. But yeah. if, unfortunately, the question is do we like it enough to do it? for losing money. Right. So, and that's only the real portion. So the downtown bid, the warehouse bid, they run their own events. I think those are in the black is my guess because they were like, they were a little bit humbler and they were like working within the budget. They were allotted real. However, you know, pointed out that they had been like spending extra to make it awesome. Okay. And so they had been dipping into, instead of like just working from the grant they got, it was, I think federated co-op and the city had, giving grant money to Frost and Real was going above and beyond that and using their own money to like make Frost more awesome. Right. So so the spirit of entrepreneurialism in this case means 
spending tons of money and then just coming back to the city hat in hand to spend our money. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. that is that is a definition of entrepreneurialism that is so spirited. It seems to be the very inverse of of what I normally understand the word to be. Yeah. Okay. So I thought at this point, because you brought up, well, f- first of all, we're on 91.3 FM, CJTR. 91.3, yeah. I had to check the wall. <laughs> where it's written down. 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio, we're the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Um, I have a clip from this meeting, if we can play that. Um, your point about the economic spinoff benefits, the argument that Real has, oh, God, I can't forget. I almost forgot to mention this. So... Out of all this, Councillor Bershani leaps into the middle of this meeting and says, I want to make a motion. And her motion is, I would like a report by the, by Q2 of next year. So the middle of next year on folding real into city operations. Wow. So getting rid of real, our municipal corporation and making it part of the city. And this, I like, I mean, there are a lot of things that you expect to see at city council. Um, like, I don't know, like Councillor Hawkins giving a big speech. Oh, yeah. Uh, Councillor Mole not showing up. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, and, but not, we're going to like get rid of real. And that's what we got. And so there was a vote on this. It's going to happen. They're going to get the report that's coming next month. But so real is here giving their, their budget, knowing that there's like this sort of Damocles hanging over their head. Damocles like. <laughs> Damoclesically. <laughs> yes. And they're, they're having to like defend their, you know, their existence, right? Right. So, uh, Councillor Nelson ha- has scored like MVP for city council this week with a comment about all those economic spinoff benefits that Real was citing as well. You need us because of all the spinoff benefits we get. Mm-hmm. And this is Councillor Nelson responding to that notion of we need Real because of economic spinoff. And then we'll play after that a little bit of Real's response to Councillor Nelson. Just a quick little thing. We talked about how the economic spin to what Real does in the hotel rooms and the restaurants and, and all that stuff, the great things that it does for our economy. We've got Farm Progress show coming in or Exhibition coming in, sorry. If this was ran by the city, we would still see those economic spin-offs. We'd still see the hotel rooms rented. We'd still see the restaurants busy. We'd still see all that. So I, I don't understand why... We or why you use it as to? I mean, can am I correct in understanding that? Or do you see that real brings a bigger value than if we just did it somewhere? Like, I mean, maybe they do a better job at doing it, so that's why there's such an economic spin off. Yeah, I think I think I understand your question, um, and I will. You know, Roberta might have a thing or two to to add on, but. Like I might, I might start by saying, absolutely, that could absolutely happen, right? If if you set up a city department that kind of operates the same way that Real does, with the people focused on doing the same thing, I think that absolutely you would still, that's absolutely true. I, I think the thing that is different about Real, and and whether it matters or not, like I'm an accountant, but whether it matters or not. 
the entrepreneurial spirit of real creates a different environment than I might expect to see in a city department or a ministry land or executive government of any kind. There is a different type of um, activity level, um, uh, authority level, right? Like there's a little bit more um, willingness to make a mistake, right? Like that's an entrepreneurial, that's an entrepreneurial aspect, right? If, if everybody gets scared to say yes, then nothing happens, right? Like it's just, it's just not going to happen. And so I would say that matters. Did you have something to say? Yes, yeah. I would. Um, so through you, Madam Chair, and, and uh, great question. As a previous city employee, I joined the city in 2012 um, and then left in 2018 after working on two major projects in the city. I went to Real because it was an exciting place and because it was an entrepreneurial spirit and I felt that the experience I brought from this organization, I could turn around and help a municipally owned organization move forward. I think to Kathy's point, um, we operate on a day-to-day -day basis. I might have something come into my office or another VP or another manager or another director may have something come into their office and you do not have two or three days to make a decision. It has to happen in two or three hours and you need to be able to walk over to an office, have a marketing and communications person available and ready to, to respond. You might need to walk to a, ba uh, a security person and have them respond. And so I think I think there is massive validity and value to look into moving this organization into the city. But what makes us unique is the fact that we respond very, very quickly and we are there 24-7. It's not uncommon to see all of the executive on site almost every single weekend. It's not uncommon to see directors there checking in on their staff. My finance team goes to every single concert to make sure that that settlement is right and that we're not paying too much or too little <laughs> for, the, for the event that's happening. So it's, it's an all-inclusive, all-hands-on-deck um, approach to business. And I think, you know, can it move under the city? Absolutely. But um, there's potential risk that the overall spirit in which we conduct our business may be impacted. It's just the laws of unintended consequences. Exactly. Thank you. That's a great point. So that was Kathy Warner, who's on the finance committee with Real, responding to Councillor Nelson with my pick for uh, most insightful comment from that entire council meeting. So what Nelson, the question that Nelson essentially asked was, why do we even need you people? Yeah. <laughs> just... She just cut right yeah, to the quick. That's that's great. It, it it kind of feels like something out of a movie. It's that's wonderful. Yeah. And the board's response was a you don't really, but also city bureaucracy sucks. Yeah. And and we're and we're entrepreneurial in the sense that we're kind of like this public private vestigial organ yeah. <laughs> feeding off the 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 body of the city yeah ah uh, so yeah okay <laughs> we're we're in this room right 
And there are these two people, uh, Kathy Warner and, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember her name, Roberta Engel, who was also okay. on the, the finance committee. Um, so they're on the board. These are volunteer board members. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're there and they spend a lot of their time freestyling on entrepreneurialism and how great it is and how great risk taking is. And they will like list off the things that real has done, the risks they've taken. <laughs> None of them panned out. Like they list off frost and they're like, we're losing money on frost. <laughs> Right? But they're taking the risk. They're taking yeah. those risks, Paul. And another thing they were talking about is, you know, we can book all of these great events. But, you know, we also find out that one of the reasons that there wasn't much stuff going on at Real is because they had, uh, you know, earmarked some time at the stadium for a big concert. They won't say who it was with. But that person got a sweeter deal in another city right. and just didn't show up. Mm-hmm. And so we had this time book. So we we took this risk on this band that was like bigger than we could we could service. And of course, they went elsewhere when that place was willing to offer them some money. So there's there's they're saying that there's all this risk they're willing to take. Um, I wouldn't lead with my failures if I was trying to defend my organization. And you're surrounded by all these city administrators. And these two people are talking about how, you know, bureaucracy and how right. it will take us like two hours to make a decision instead of five days. And the the administration are the people who are, you know, basically going to govern whether or not this organization exists mm-hmm. and what money it gets in the future because the administration is doing this report on right. whether or not we're going to get rid of real. And one of the things that I noticed, and I might be reading too much into this, is that when city admin, when the city council started to ask city administration to do further investigation into real situation, uh, city manager Nikki Anderson, again, drew a great moment from her. She drew a line in the sand, and she was basically, it's not my job to know what real does. It's not my job to know the details, the minutia of their balance sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, If they want this work done, they can do this work themselves. I'm like paraphrasing. Right. But very clearly, um, city administration was like, we're not going to do their work for them. They can entrepreneurial their way out of this problem. <laughs> It was great. They can make they can make decisions in two or three hours yeah. about about how to about how not to lose massive yeah. amounts of money. Yeah. Well, my understanding though is that they're also, I mean, facing just servicing their own debt is huge. I mean, yeah. it's I can't remember what it is. It's, I can't remember either. Yeah, yeah, but between principal and interest, it's you know well over a million at this point. Yeah, and they've and been uh, taking out debt to service their debt. So yeah. I think it's three and a half. Is it three and a half million? It might per be. Year that they're and they're they're getting close to their debt limit too. Right. So. Yeah, it's a bad situation. Yeah. For them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that's the situation. Real might disappear. Um, uh, their financial situation is bad. Was not super impressed by the board members who should. Well, I wasn't. I mean, other people may may have thought they were awesome. Uh, we have, uh, if we have thirty seconds, I believe we do. Yes. There was. Uh, there's a. There's another thing that came up at this meeting. This has come up before, so this was. This is a known known, and uh, they mentioned that uh, they're being audited by the federal government because Real took like seven million dollars in COVID relief. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, and this was so people could keep their jobs through the pandemic, and they're being audited on that. And so, if that goes poorly for them, they're going to have to pay that seven million dollars back. Excuse me. <clears throat> a lot of people were very alarmed by this. Some people on council, definitely a lot of people on social media. I think this is the least of their problems. Um, right. This, 
I think a lot of organizations across the country are being audited for, yeah. for, for this for this very same thing. So yeah, exactly. Um, they're in a gray area. They and they had it checked with their auditors whether or not they could, you know apply for this money, their auditors like signed off, said, yeah, you guys, you're independent. This money is supposed to be going to independent private industry. You count, even though you're owned by the city. But mm-hmm. because they're owned by the city, they're now getting audited. Okay. So I'm actually, like, hopeful that it's going to be fine. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are worried about it. But, yeah, like I say, they're bleeding money from so many other holes. Uh, the orifice of this COVID money, I think, is, you know, they can put a bandit over that. It'll be fine. Because it's really <laughs> just like one time. Like, it's a one-time thing, right. right? Whereas the other stuff, they're bleeding money every year. It's ongoing. Yeah. All right. So should we go on to innovative revenue tools? Yes. Well, I had an innovative revenue tool. Oh, brilliant. Uh, but it was to start sort of a public-private organization for hosting events and renting out space uh, for recreation oh. and, and other things. There may be a, an opening for that. Thing. Yeah, I, was, I mean, it's great. Cause, but, I mean, it sounds to me like Real is doing a fine job already with their entrepreneurial spirit. So I'm sure they'll, they'll pull out of this I'm, nose I'm sure dive. They will. So, yeah. so I, w- I formally withdraw my innovative revenue tool. That's very kind of you. Um, um, I'm sure Tim Reed will <laughs> breathe a sigh of relief. I'm sure Tim Reeve will be phoning me up to say, "Hey, what's this? What's this tool you got? Can I? Can, yeah. can you? Can you help us out? Do you want a credit card? <laughs> Why, yes, I do. Five hundred thousand dollar corporate credit card. Yeah. Yes, please. All right. All righty, room. We're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. Oh, excellent Innovative Revenue Tools. It's nice to actually hear them in action this time. I know. Yeah, I know. So Usually we, can, we do we we do all of our stuff. We drop it like an egg. Yep. And then when it's like as it's hatching, the innovative revenue tools spring up around it later on without I, us being around. I, I guess it's time for my shameful confession that What's usually that? when I compliment all those innovative revenue tools, I'm, I'm taking it on faith. I am not actually hearing those tools. Yeah. But we can we can trust CJTR to put the best innovative revenue tools with our meetings. Oh yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna fob off some like non innovative tools on us. Right. We know from from years of experience uh, yeah. with them that they would that they will do what's right by us. Yeah, we are getting the electric bagpipes, right? Okay, good. Producer Megan says yes. Awesome. <laughs> um. All right. So what else do we have on the agenda? Do you want to hear? I want to hear. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't want to hear. I just want to sit here in silence. Uh, we have been talking about uh, the Housing Accelerator Fund for the last several weeks. Mm-hmm. There is an update. Ooh, have the houses started to accelerate? Um, God, no, they haven't. Oh, okay. No, we're still waiting for that. We're still waiting to be able to like slam on the accelerator on the housing. Little disappointed, yeah. but okay, let's, let's hear what the update yeah, is. Yeah, we're riding the clutch still. <laughs> okay. Um, the mayor's big motion came forward. Mm-hmm. So the mayor's big motion is, uh, the be it resolves from it are allow, well, encourage densification, right? That's nice. Yeah. So this is the, I should have prefaced this. This is the accelerating housing motion. This is the accelerating housing motion that we've been warned was coming that's going to like make it possible for us to get housing accelerator fund money, $36.2 million Oof. to build housing for three years. Um, so yeah, so she brought this motion forward. She's sole signee to it. And, but to achieve this densification, 
uh, we're going to be seeing, uh, she wants to change the zoning bylaw so that, uh, up to fourplexes can be built in residential neighborhoods anywhere within the intensification area. Mm-hmm. Currently, most of that intensification, you can only build single-family houses with maybe, if you can afford it, uh, a laneway suite. So, the like, this and this covers, the intensification area is like 87% of the city. When you look at the map, it's like, it's pretty much what the city was up until like 10 years ago kind of thing. Hmm. Um, so it's huge. It's most of the city. And so, yeah, that would be four plexes. And then, um, we would also be seeing, uh, and this, oh, by the way, this would be as of right. So like if a developer wants to do this, uh, there's nothing to stop them. They can just, they get the approval from city hall. They don't have to go to council. They don't have to hold any kind of like public consultation. They can build the fourplex. Um, four-story residential buildings will be allowed, uh, within like sort of a range of, uh, major transit routes. And also, uh, duplexes will be allowed in the parts of the city where you can't build fourplexes. You will be, as of right, allowed to build duplexes in the Greenfield area. You, you, you know, you know what this means. What does it mean? It means that the city will be pounded by duplexes. Yeah, we will be. And as we've pounded hard, four, fourplexes means it will double or maybe even logarithmically increase yes. that said, said pounding. So much pounding. <laughs> so you know, much. You know, it occurs to me that every what? time we make the pounded by duplexes joke, that whoever has not like been a faithful listener will probably stop being a faithful listener yes. because they'll have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. And I don't feel we should let them in on the joke now. No. They, just, they just have to put up with it. No, it's okay, buckaroos. We'll That's uh, right. It's, it's all fine. It's, <laughs> nice, we, nice. We, it's all, it's all, it's all love here. That's right. That's our trot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, so yes, while we're being pounded by duplexes, uh, which means that, uh, R1 zoning will be effectively be dead if mm-hmm. this passes. Uh, also, she wants to get rid of parking minimums in resident, for residential developments. Uh, that are near uh, main transit routes. Did did Councillor Hawkins have a speech to go with this? We don't know yet. This oh, goes to council okay. next week. Yeah. Oh, I am so looking forward to the Hawkins speech. That's yeah. Result from this. Yeah, it's pretty thrilling. Uh, what they're pl- well, I I don't know. I I really like this motion. Like I think there's stuff that could have gone further, but I'm willing to compromise and say, good enough for now. And I think that so. One of the reasons why I think this is so important is in the 1960s, uh, under a, a former Trudeau prime minister, mm-hmm. uh, crap tons of money came to Regina to build housing and community centers. And um, that's what created cathedral. Um, cathedral, uh, a lot of like slum housing was here, was there. And a lot of it was torn down and, uh, you know, Two, three-story walk-up apartments were put in place. Uh, a lot of uh, Regina housing buildings that are fourplexes on single-family 24-foot lots mm-hmm. were put in. And this uh, a neighborhood that was in decline in the 60s and 70s was, you know, over time, this kind of development revitalized that neighborhood by putting a lot more people in there and making, you know, the businesses along 13th and the businesses along Albert Street that are adjacent, making them a lot more viable because there was just more people. And it became a place that people were moving into because there was this housing they could afford there. 
So what we're seeing now with this housing accelerator fund is that we could see that same kind of like seeding of houses, like new cathedrals being like planted all over Regina with this money. And cathedral is the neighborhood that whenever they do a, um, like a tourism video of Regina where they want to like, you know, run a drone through the city and like take a look at where people live. Cathedral is one of those neighborhoods they always hit. The Crescents is always one of those mm-hmm. neighborhoods they hit. And I think the vitality of that neighborhood uh, is a result of that kind of, you know, easing up of the zoning restrictions and the sort of like packing more people in. So this is this is what what ca- what Mayor Masters is planning to do here, I think, is a big step forward for housing. Yeah, I completely agree. So, of course, it's going to pass. No problems. Uh, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. It'll be... I mean, it'll be great. It'll yeah. pass. We'll get the money. The city will be pounded by duplexes and fourplexes, and we'll all live happily ever after. Yeah. Is, is, is my prediction. Yeah. I hope you're right. I hope I'm right, too. Because historically, that's not what we've seen from the city council. All of the yeah. things in this motion, when anything like this has been hinted at, we get Councillor Hawkins and Councillor Brashani right. and occasionally Nelson and even Fendura and Mancinelli right. will come out of the woodwork and say, well, this is not something we want in our backyard. Right. And I think, yeah. I think there are, I think there are maybe some valid reasons for it. Um, but I, I can't, I, I also feel like there, people like Councillor Hawkins often seem to want to harken back to this strange sort of nostalgic golden age that I've, do not think ever existed outside of Councillor Hawkins' imagination. Yeah. Uh, so I think we should stop being be, like beholden to 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 like imaginations, mm-hmm. or at least backward-looking imaginations, and maybe yeah. think forward. Um. Yeah, and it is interesting that it would be like it's just like so perfect that it's Hawkins who's like leading the charge against this kind of development. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a house in like old Lakeview. Yeah. And, uh, you know, short's nice. Um, Brishani is also, she's got apparently, you know, house out in the suburbs. Um, these are people who are not hurting for housing and I don't think they understand, uh, people who are struggling to find a place to live right now. Maybe if they woke up one morning suddenly houseless. Yeah, right. They, they would like actually have some more sympathy for the rest of the city. Maybe. I, I, I don't think we're like, you know, proposing to like enable that. No, no. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking some kind of weird sort of like magical scenario. Okay. Yeah. So like a, like a uh, Christmas Carol situation where yeah, like yeah, the yeah. ghost of housing past or like houselessness yeah, past exactly. visits Councillor Hawkins and he wakes up on the street. That's it. That's yeah. it. Then he buys, then he wakes up and it was all a dream. Yeah. And he buys a big Christmas turkey. Lad, lad, what is, what day is it? <laughs> Well, Go out, buy me a condominium. <laughs> well, it's housing accelerator day, sir. <laughs> no! Oh, it's going to be so great if housing accelerator day visits us this year. <laughs> housing accelerator Santa. That's right. He looks like a, he's kind of dressed up like a two-story brownstone or something. Yeah. Like a little, little peaked roof. Yeah. And you lift up the hat and it's like housing minister Sean Fraser. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And then, but then you get like, like the provincial, like cabinet, like oh. riding down. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, why not? 
Okay. So, because it's bad. This is the really, really bad yeah, I thing. know, because I, I don't think, yeah, it's it's one thing to talk about, you know, the accelerator from, but I think we need to address yeah. the impediment, the possible impediments yeah. to this. Because I think, like, there's going to be opposition within city council to this, yeah, right? Yeah. But I think we're looking at, so I think the count I did was Hawkins, Bershani for sure, probably Nelson, probably Fendura. So that's four. And then maybe Mancinelli. But I think... Oh, sorry, Mancinelli or Moles. That could put us to our six. Okay. But okay. the mayor is pushing this. And so right. that tips Findura to her side and probably Mancinelli. Okay. So, but I think, I'm hoping that Stadnachuk is safe on this one. I'm pretty sure Zakidniak, LeBlanc, and Stevens are good on this. I'm pretty so. sure they'll all, they, they, they would be in favor of yeah. this kind of thing, definitely. Yeah, and the mayor. <clears throat> so I think it's it's going to be a tight vote, but if everybody shows up, <laughs> it should be okay. Maybe yeah. more won't show up as usual. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And there, you know, if anybody in the community notices this happening, you might get some delegations coming out to oppose it, but you might even get a few people coming out to support it. So it could be a wash on that. But the scary thing is, um, early this month, like November 5th and 6th, I think it was the provincial, the provincial premiers met in Nova Scotia. And uh, apparently somebody had mentioned to them that this housing accelerator fund thing was happening. And they started talking about how they want to be at the table when this money is being doled out and that they should be involved in the distribution of this money. I cannot think of a single worse thing right? than this scenario. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, who was it? it? I'm just trying to remember the dude's name, uh, the Nova Scotia Premier. He, uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Mr. Anyways. Premier. Yeah, Mr. Premier of Nova Scotia. Yes. Boy. <laughs> well, no wonder he got elected with a yeah. name like that. Yeah. I, I can't do, I can't do the, I can't do the accent for, it, well, it sounds like you're talking about like the boys out in the, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I, I'm yeah. from Nova Scotia and I can't do that accent. So, yeah. so don't worry about it. Uh, well, my father-in-law would say it, it didn't sound, it's it sounded perfect. <laughs> Anyways, the he was saying that they should be at the table. That these are that this is too significant for uh, the for the province not to be involved. Then Scott Moe had to like weigh in, and he's basically arguing that his concern is that um, that uh, the federal government will use this money to score political points and that they will somehow not distribute this money equitably to, you know, and he's like always like scaremongering about the prairies not getting their due, right? right? Even though, um, you know, we're asking for a lot of money. And I think based on the fact that this motion is coming forward, the mayor is like fairly confident that if we do this, we're going to get $36.2 million. That's, that's the hope, yes. And the other thing that they pointed out was that they want the same deal as Quebec because Quebec has a de- has a law in place that says any money that's going into their province has to to a city has to go through the province and they have cut a deal with the housing accelerator fund money to you know manage the distribution of that cash to the cities in Quebec the th- and so they're like why can't we have that deal cuz we're not Quebec Right? <laughs> like, it's missing the entire, you know, the last hundred years yeah. or more context of what Quebec is. Yes. Yeah. But also it leaves out, and I just learned this today from Dale Smith, the uh, parliamentary reporter in Ottawa, part of the deal that um, Quebec struck with uh, Ottawa for housing accelerator funds is they're going to match the money. 
not bad. Yeah. So it would be great if if, uh, if our government would match the money as well. Yeah. So if they're, you know, if they're going to pay up, if they're going to like, you know, kick in $36.2 million in poker chips into the house, into mm. the table, you know, fine. They yeah. can play. But haven't heard boo from the provincial premiers about being willing to add money yeah. to the housing accelerator funding. Yeah, if they're going to be at the table, then they should bring something to the table. Right. And I don't think that's an unreasonable ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, historically, too, like the Rapid Housing Initiative happened, uh, and this was, again, money distributed from the federal government directly to the cities to build, like, a few sort of, like, transitional housing buildings. So mm-hmm. just – and really fast, like, you, you got the money, you had a year to spend it and get the building finished and people in it. So it was, a, it was, it was rapid. It's right in the name. Yeah. And uh, the one on 120 Broad Street – uh, the federal government kicked in several millions of dollars. The city kicked in a bunch of money. And the um, the province kicked in, a, I believe it was a loan. So oh. the province was the, was the baby partner, the junior partner at the table for that. The junior staffer. Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, so I guess the concern I think is, is that the province is just going to get in the way and they're not going to add any value. To this this transaction, um, we're on ninety one point three FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. We're the Queen City Improvement Bureau talking about housing, and I have another audio clip. Another old. Yeah. Let's hear it. So this is Mayor Masters um, after the meeting where she uh, introduced her notice of motion. Uh, there was the scrum, the press conference afterwards, and so she was taking pre- uh, questions from the media. Um, this Two questions here. The first one is from Alex Kwan from the CBC, and he just basically has asked her, um, you know, does she know about what the province, what the provincial premiers have been saying? Because this is a couple of days after those statements at the uh, meeting on the 5th and 6th happened. So he's asking her if she's heard about this and what her thoughts are on it, and then uh, clip out a bunch and it goes straight to a question that I asked at the end. Oh, I haven't read the article. Uh, a little busy today. Uh, I think it's fair to say that housing is important to all levels of government. I think that's fair. I also think it's really important that municipal governments work with the other two levels of governments on concerns, challenges, and opportunities um, as they have more money than we do and have uh, more capability of raising money than we do. Um, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't heard that yet, but I do know across the country we'll have seen provinces um, pass legislation which has opened up zoning and land use in in other provinces. And so, in in, in some respects, when they get together, I I, I suspect that that's um, that that's uh, something that they would be sharing with each other. I. I don't have any concerns as of right now. I think that if all levels of government are focused on housing and housing affordability, that's probably good news. I just wanted to ask a question about your awesome notice of motion. Um, <laughs> you have mentioned you have mentioned that you believe that you should be working with other levels of government on this, and I just wanted to know uh, if you have had conversations already with the province about this notice of motion, and if so, what their response has been. Uh, I've I've had um, what I would call more casual conversations about this with the federal government. I've had very formal conversations because we have an application for millions of dollars with them. Um, But uh, the conversations with the province have been around um, how to speed up permitting and zoning, how to um, um, 
reduce the number of discretionary use applications, how to make it simpler for builders to get into the ground who are providing homes to the, frankly, again, the folks that we're trying to either have come study here or work here or, or what have you. So it, uh, um, less formal conversations, but, and, and actually for a number of years, for a couple of years now, having conversations around housing and housing development. But you can't say one way or the other if the province will be supportive of this notice of motion going, when it becomes a motion and going forward. I, I can't speak for the province, no. Okay. So that was Mayor Masters on uh, her discussions, like, you know, what interaction she's had with other levels of government on this. First off, you got a laugh out of Mayor Masters. I did. Nice. That doesn't happen often. I get eye rolls. I don't get laughs. (laughs) Well, that's good. There's there's hope for us all. Um, She doesn't doesn't laugh at my jokes or or, or anything. So Yeah. Uh, Anyway. So that's good. So it sounds like they're... What what she's looking for the for from the province has been, you know, smooth smoothing of the way for regulations and sort of. Yeah, and I pressed her on it a bit because I was trying to find out like if she, like I wanted to know the nature of the conversations she had, yeah. and she wasn't willing to say, and I expected her not to. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, my, like I'm I am a bit worried that this will go the way of the sponsorship. Um, motion oh. where Councillor LeBlanc tried to like stop us from like taking oil and gas sponsorships and um when Scott Moe found out about it he went on a Twitter tirade right. and then Gormley got a hold of it and this the whole province blew up in our face. Well hopefully well, I mean this isn't quite as incendiary as, as that particular I hope not, but you know, I think like I think he, uh Mo has um He's been like, seems to be willing to latch on to any opportunity to sort of like bash somebody over the head to show that he's, you know, a he man and he can keep running the province. You know, he looks so tired. I don't know if you've noticed, but he looks so beat and worn out. Like he looks, he's got such like a hangdog Willie Loman look on his face now when he does press stuff. Like he's, he goes, Womp. It's like everywhere he goes, it's like trombone music follows him. And so he has to like, you know, whenever he gets a chance, he has to like blow his top. And uh, we know that he's willing to meddle in municipal affairs. And I'm worried that if enough um, suburban NIMBY voters who support the Sask Party get wind of this and start to worry about their property values, you know, getting destroyed when they're being pounded by fourplexes, that they're going to call up Mo and say, you've got to stop this. And he could just, you know, he could just like rattle cages and, you know, shout and scream on social media or in press conferences and just make things like difficult, but not actually stop them. But you know, the province actually has the power in the Cities Act to overturn any bylaw. Yes. Right? Yeah, that is – I mean, and we've, we've seen them do this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, heck, you know, the, the Arm of Sherwood has had their whole city council disbanded by the province. So that's another power they have. If they don't like a council, cities are instruments of the province and they, they operate at their behest. So. True. I mean, there, I think there's – I mean – Theoretically, yes, but I think practically there's limits to yeah. what they're what they're willing to do. I can't imagine the province coming in and dissolving the city council, yeah. for example. But uh, you could totally see them like saying, "Okay, LeBlanc, we've had enough of your shenanigans." <laughs> I can. 
I think they've long had enough of LeBlanc and they should have right. it, frankly. Um, Actually, that he's still there, I guess, is evidence that we don't have too much to worry about. There, there we go. Yeah. But yes, no, what I'm hoping is that the housing accelerator fund money comes and that it's well spent. Uh, and that's, that's yeah. the best we can hope for. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, the, the other, like the other area that it could be kind of problematic is if we get the money and we make the commitments, the money will be coming in phases. And so we'll have to like, you know, prove that we're actually in, doing the in things. Phases, like a solid phase, a liquid phase and a gas phase. A little bit. Nice. Yeah. Although I think the solid one where the money is actually in your hands is the last one. <laughs> okay. Good, good. Right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, we're going to have to actually prove to the federal government that we're doing the things and we're actually making the progress. And we're like aiming for 1,100 housing uh, permits over three years. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a it's a big step. And it has to be 1,100 over what we would normally do over that time period. Hmm. So, and we're going to have to like prove that we're doing it if we're going to get, so it'll come out, I will get like the money in like three spa- phases. I think it's in thirds. And you have to prove that you've like at the end, you have to prove that you've succeeded to get that final dose of cash, which is 36, 12 million bucks. So like not something to sneeze at. <clears throat> so we could pass the law or no, we could pass this motion, sorry. And we could say we're going to do this stuff. But then the minute you start having fourplexes go up and you have stuff, like the minute something comes to council, then you could see like, uh, you could see a, a, a certain counselor or, or three start to like, you know, grind the wheels and move, slow these things down and say, we really need to think we should be doing this the right way. This should be a made in Regina solution. So. Oh, yes, I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. So, anyways, yeah. But, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I, I, like, I'm, I'm optimistic that it's going to happen, but I'm also, like, I, I, I think people shouldn't just assume that it's going to happen and figure, I don't have to go to city council next week or email my counselor and say that I support this because there's, it's not guaranteed. And, like, if people, if the people who support stuff like this stay quiet, it might not happen. Hmm. Which I think is a call to action. <laughs> but. Hey, you want to hear about the skydiving Christian baby? Heck, yes, I do. Okay. Uh, so th- this is something I, I, f- I discovered on on Blue Sky, my, my social media network of choice. Yeah. There have been a, a series of questions on Quora.com, that website where you pose questions, and which is partly responsible for Jordan Peterson's rise to fame, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. But there's. Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you the one that that people first latched onto. Maybe you can answer this. I'll try. Atheists, imagine you're going skydiving with a Christian baby. <laughs> I love this question. Suddenly, the baby tells you that he won't open his parachute until you renounce atheism and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What do you do, Paul? What would I do? Yes. Oh, I would. Um, so, is this the only? Is it just the baby's parachute? It has nothing to do with my parachute. No, you, yeah, you've got you've got a working parachute. I would freak out. There's a talking baby. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. I would be like, "Get thee from me, Satan!" And I would pull my chute <laughs> and let that let that freak show <laughs> just, deal with its own situation. I think. <laughs> I think, frankly, that if you did that. I think that that baby would probably reconsider its situation pretty quickly and pull, probably. and pull its parachute. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think yeah. I think that's a safe bet, frankly. So is this what Christians like use instead of the trolley problem? I, th- I think it is. I think it is actually an evangelical version of the trolley. Pro- there are many variations on this, yeah. uh, including some that are actually explicitly trolley problem oriented. Yeah. But I just thought you would kind of enjoy pondering that. As so this the, is a thing going on right now. This is a thing going. Yes, and I'm sorry wow. you had to hear about it. But I'm glad I did. <laughs> that's, but yeah, yeah. This is a thing, um, and a, a lot of them are, are based in ideas about. Around a, a hypothetical Christian baby. Yeah. So, <laughs> do they describe this baby beyond it being Christian and a baby? No. Oh wow. No, presumably, presumably like bipedal with a head and right. but also freakishly able to talk <laughs> and, po- and and pose moral hypotheticals at you while yeah. while, while hurling through the air at yeah. terminal velocity. Clearly, it's a magic baby. It will be fine. I, however, I, okay, need to, as an atheist, I must rely on my my parachute. I think I think that is probably the best answer. It is obviously a magical being yeah. that can survive like three thousand feet plunge. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I feel much better now. Or it's a robot. Or it's a robot. Or I'm on drugs. Oh, all these things are possible. Would you like to hear some others? Really Heck quick? yeah. Okay, atheists, imagine you and a Christian baby are being mugged. The, crim- the criminal is mad at the Christian baby and decides to shoot it. <laughs> Me too, frankly. <laughs> Suddenly, it cuts to slow motion, somehow, and you're able to jump in the way of the bullet. I think you're in the Matrix at this point. Yeah. Would you save the Christian baby by jumping in front of I mean, I would I would simply, like, if with slow motion, I would, like, yeah. just simply nudge the baby out of the way, but that's me. You're a nicer person yeah. than I am. Yeah, I guess so. I would want to know more about this crook. And was he like the mugger? Like, is he is he justified? Did the baby? Did the magic baby pull a knife on him? Maybe it it does not provide this information. Oh. I don't. I think you're asking for things outside the scope of the question, frankly. Right. Um, how about um? Ooh, yeah. There's there's some there's some different. Oh, here we go. Atheists. This is the trolley problem one. Imagine you see a child on the railroad tracks. Presumably Christian baby, uh, about to get hit by a train. Suddenly, simultaneously, I mean, there is a button a hundred feet away. I don't know how something existing simultaneously, whatever. You must press in 60 seconds or you will lose belief in atheism. Would you save the child or press the button? Oh my God. Uh, you know what? You'll lose belief in atheism. Well, two things. First of all, like the, the, the problem was too, too complicated and too long and I sort of like started to drift off. Yeah, no, so I I'm not exactly, I don't really understand what my choices are. So I would be paralyzed by indecision and just let the situation play out. I think that baby just got run over by a train. <laughs> <laughs> I think is what happened. I think we have to go. I think so. All right. Uh, well, during the meeting, you've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Uh, we are broadcast uh, 7 to 8 p.m. on Thursdays and 3 to 4 p.m. rebroadcast. Uh, whenever on Mondays coming up next I believe we have Once More with Feeling and then a Rhythm and Vibes then Lunar Lounge and this musical all through the night that's it keep on playing thanks producer Megan